It's these types of things where I know at the end of the week, I want to have ticked off certain boxes. I want to have incline benched at least once. I want to have push, I want to have jerked at least three times, snatched this many times. But how those days fall in line is very much dictated by how my performance is going on that day. Welcome back to the Clinical Athlete Podcast. It has been too long. Clinical Athlete is a network of healthcare providers, students, and coaches who specialize in the management of athletes. We have two missions. Our first mission is to connect athletes with professionals who they can trust. And our second mission is to nurture the education and growth of those professionals through a community of like-minded individuals who strive to learn and get better. This podcast is one way that we fulfill those missions. To learn more and to get involved in all the things we do, join the free Kalu Community Facebook group for great discussions and resources and lots of learning and networking opportunities. That's Kalu, C-A-L-U, community on Facebook, or you can just hit the link in the show notes. My name is Quinn Hennick. I'm a doctor, physical therapist, strength conditioning coach, mediocre, has been, never was, competitive weightlifter, and co-founder of Clinical Athlete and Kalu. On this show, I'm joined by Jared Maynard and John Flagg. John is a certified athletic trainer and online powerlifting, weightlifting, and strongman coach and the lead instructor of the Clinical Athlete Powerlifting Certification. Jared is a physiotherapist, powerlifter, powerlifting coach, and first lieutenant for the Clinical Athlete Powerlifting Certification. So all three of us try to embody the values of being a clinical athlete. In this episode, we are bringing back the Coach's Corner, where we discuss real-life cases and the nuts and bolts of coaching and training. And in this one in particular, I share my current training approach at the time with a discussion of the principles and programming and decision-making that was helping to guide me through the process. Full disclosure, we actually recorded this episode a while back, so you might hear some references to COVID quarantine, for example, that are somewhat dated, but regardless of that, the actual discussion will be super valuable, uh, super current, relevant to any coach, clinician, or athlete who writes programs. So we hope you enjoy. The weightlifter, the dynamic jumpy guy over here with the pretty movements. How are you doing, man? Good, man. The athlete of the group. No, I'm just kidding. Um, You're not wrong. I don't have an injury necessarily. It's, it's all. This is going to be all performance based for me. I'll basically just talk about these two like very general macro blocks that are somewhat similar but have enough differences to talk about. Starting from last September up until about December. And then, or I say up until, yeah, maybe December, mid-December, and then from then until now. And I actually posted that first block in the, in the forum as kind of a rundown. But I program for myself, very, very open, very fluid, uh, very much a kind of a skeleton-based thing where I have an idea of what we're going to do. But sometimes, literally, while I'm deciding what the workout's going to be as I'm warming up with the bar, within whatever kind of guidelines or constraints. But my point is the way that I program for myself could be very different than how I actually program for an athlete because I'm okay with being that open with the training because I actually enjoy that. It's, it's, I'm kind of like my own N equals one experiment and I don't care if I fuck it up because it's me, you know, so just, just for the listeners. But basically 
from this from September to, to uh, mid December, I was pretty detrained. It was coming off of I would say the quarantine, and like our gym gave all the equipment away, our weightlifting gym, to the members, and so I didn't actually have weightlifting equipment. I didn't train really at all. I had my K box for quarantine, so I didn't do any snatch and clean jerk for like months or back squats, barbell. So when I came back to it, I set up the squats to be just high low and high and I set it up to be velocity based. So velocity can be the same with RPE. It's the same. It's just gauging kind of your relative effort. So I had a range of a heavy, I had a high, high squat day, which is going to be higher external load, which means it was going to move slower. And then I had a low squat day, which was going to be low external load and obviously moving faster. And I set the velocity ranges to be about like 80 to 90% on the high day and about 60 to 75% of one rep max on the low day. So those are lightweights they are moving explosively and the volume. So it was every other day. The volume was very low. It was just work up to one or two top sets in that range for the high day and three to four sets in that range for the low day. No drop sets. It was, I was literally resetting. I was seeing like, what's my minimal effective dose here. And I did the same for pressing, overhead press and bench, both flat and incline bench. I was doing all three. I was flat benching and incline benching on the same day, back to back. One was taking a hit, but the volume was so low. Honestly, I felt warmed up for the second one. Are you even allowed to bench as a weightlifter? We don't do it often, but when we do, we really suck at it. But it's but, uh, working towards that combine test, man. You know? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But... Uh, incline's still in the fold, but bench, flat bench has been uh, cut. But it, but, but it helped. Like I like bench as just a general. Like I want to feel strong again. Movement and and you know. So that was in there. The weightlifting was extremely light. Snatch and clean jerk was all no cleans because cleans beat me up, and I never can't do a clean from a technique standpoint. Like it's just it's not that hard. Um, so if my front squat, if my squats strong and my pull is strong, like I'm going to be able to clean. It's the snatch and the jerk that I want to keep fresh. So, but they were, those were very light. So I didn't want those to, to cause any type of fatigue accumulation for my squats and my pulls. So it was really about squats and pulls and pressing. And I ran that, the pressing went through the roof because I was basically a beginner again, because I hadn't benched in years and my overhead press is already weak and I hadn't really trained that hard either. So those were increasing linearly benching literally like putting five pounds on the bar every time i walked back into the gym for bench day it was great it was like How'd that feel man it was awesome Whoa. starting strength all over again That's um five. so it was great it was great and incline went up and uh i really like incline as for transfer over to um, the jerk because i can load the incline heavier but it's like still more overhead than flat bench so bench went really well squats were interesting because I ran into a plateau with the high days, kept hitting this weight ceiling that I couldn't, it, it was moving too slow. Like I was, it, I was grinding too much. It was, it was getting outside of my velocity range that I had set for myself. So it was too hard. It would be like an RPE range. Like I'm creeping up into a higher RPE than I had programmed for myself. And it kept, I kept hitting it. Like it was probably six weeks of hitting that ceiling. And so I said, okay, the way that I was, conceptualizing volume is just like exposure. So for me, building volume is just building exposure to the stress of whatever the thing is. So I said, okay, I'm going to increase volume. I'm going to increase exposure. So I added 
some top sets to that heavy day. That helped. <laughs> so again, but I'm, I'm trying to be methodical, like increase volume when I need to, not just for the sake of increasing volume. And I'm also okay with running the same microcycle for weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks. Cause again, it's me and I'm, I can, I'll do that cause I'm okay with it. So I increased volume that way, ran into another plateau. And I, so I had a choice that low day where the weight was light and the velocity was fast. That was going real well. Like I was increasing weight within that range, but, and I was moving fast and I felt explosive but the weight's still light. So that, that, what I was finding is that day was not giving me the transfer. Like it had, I had tapped it's specific, right? It's, it wasn't heavy enough, but if for a field sport athlete, like moving, you know, hundred kilos at 0.8 meters per second, like it's, that's a real nice place to live when your goal is not a barbell sport. So I found that it did well for what its purpose was. And it also did well to not beat me up because I just felt good after it's like a power day, you know? Um, so what I decided to do instead of turning that into another medium or high day, which I ended up doing now, but what I did then instead is I just started using a belt and sleeves on my heavy day. So for me, belt double knee sleeves is like a little performance boost. So there, people will ask, well, how much of that is mental for me? It doesn't matter because the response is so consistent and it's been that way for 10 years. I know, that I'm going to get a boost when I put a belt on and when I put sleeves on. Don't care about the mechanism. It's, it's consistent no matter my mindset. Like an RPG screen where it quins the character and you just like slap on this equipment. Yeah, exactly. No, seriously, seriously. The, especially the sleeves. I feel like my knees, I can bounce more. Like it, it just completely changes my confidence and feeling of the movement. Um, and I know that, which is why I try to put that stuff off when I, I squeeze out all the juice out of the lemon. So then when I add that stuff, it's a performance boost. That's how I conceptualize those things. And it did its thing. I, my high days went up, like it upticked. And it even, what it did is like, I finally felt that heavier load on the system. And so then I did, I ran those like belt and sleeves for like three weeks. And then I took them off to see how, what that would do to my high day. And my beltless and sleeveless squats on the high day were better than previous high days without that equipment. So it kind of gave me that overload, literally an overload tool. So I, I busted through the plateau that way. So point being, I was just trying to be methodical with what I was adding. I kept the weightlifting movements extremely low so that I could make these changes to the strength movements and kind of be a little bit more certain that my interventions were having the effect that I thought they were. So I've got a question for John about Quinn. What's the over-under, given what Quinn just described with the belt and the sleeves, as far as when he ends up in a squat suit? I don't think that's ever going to happen. Not, now, the people that are listening that started just yelling West Side is probably pretty high. <laughs> I can hear him. Yeah, you know? And he bad. didn't say anything about bands or chains, though, guys. Okay, He said a light day and a heavy day, one moving slow and one moving fast. That is not exactly conjugate. <laughs> I mean, belt and sleeves. It's a, it's a gateway drug. Yeah, I mean, if people hear like high low day and and then discount as west side, I mean, like a high and a low day is like, I'll go heavy on this day, I'll go lighter on the next day. Yeah, common sense. So okay. this is not rocket science here. No, it makes um, complete sense. And by the way, I ran the uh, DeFranco's West Side for Skinny Bastards in like 2008. Excellent and, program. Yeah. So for me, that's so that worked well. Now. What I found was like the weightlifting movements were in there enough to not feel the, the positions didn't feel foreign, but obviously I wasn't pushing the load. So 
weightlifting is my goal. So at some point I've got to like, that's got to uptick the squats. We're at a good kind of like, I got them to a good level with that, with that high, low polarized split where I felt like I was fit enough and had the capacity and tolerance to push those even more. So swap that low day out for a high day. Now my program is pretty much the same two days every day. I I go to the gym four or five days a week. I snatch up to, for me, or moderate singles where like, I just know the feeling where I'm on the precipice of of the weight slinging me around rather than me slinging the weight around. I just have that feel. So I work up to where I'm controlling the weight, but it's like a good weight that I've got to like try real hard with. I do the same thing for jerk. And then I squat and I do like a pull somewhere in between. I snatch pull every other day, but it's literally like if I go to the gym Monday and Tuesday right now, I'm snatching and I'm going to do jerks and the squat will be flat or uh, swapped with like a push press or a um, incline. So I won't squat. I won't back squat or front squat every day. I'll do those every other day, but I'm snatching and I'm doing jerks up to moderate loads every day. So, so not every day feels great. Like I said, I let my um, auto-regulation of when I'm in control of the weight and when the weight's in control of me dictate the amount of weight that's on the bar for both the snatch and the jerk variations. And I will also switch up whether it's a full snatch or a power snatch based on my tolerance to the squat and how fast I'm moving on the day. So if I went to the gym thinking I'm going to snatch and it's like, damn, the squat is just like my knees are just not warming up today. Today's going to be power snatch. Same with the jerk. If the split jerk is just not clicking, I'm doing push jerk. But I'm going to work up to whatever load I can within the kind of my technique constraints that I've made for myself. The squats are now heavy. Same, um, they're both the heavy days. So the same velocity range that I was using before, but now it's just front squat, back squat. There's no light low day. It's just heavy relatively for me. And that's going well. And I'm just, I'm adding sets as i feel myself kind of plateauing i'm adding volume to try to bust through that as exposures and um, no more flat bench but incline staying as an accessory and then i just like pick a body part to do for for supplementals like hamstring quad i'll just crush like one thing hey guys quinn hennick here here's your brain break from our coach's corner talk If you're interested in the online clinical athlete powerlifting certification that John and Jared have created, you can check out the link in the show notes. In my biased opinion, there is nothing quite like it out there for the reconditioning and performance training for the powerlifting athlete. So you can find the link in the show notes if you want to learn more. Also, if you're one of our six listeners who enjoys this podcast, do us a favor and give it a rating on your favorite podcast platform so that we can get the information out to as many people as possible. Pause this hit that five star, give us a nice little review, boom, duty fulfilled. And now back to the show. You're a pretty big weightlifting historian like me, correct? Yeah. Yeah, so, I, yeah I mean, I, I think it's so much of this is reminiscent of Tommy Kono's book outside of like the the velocity stuff. Like you, you're, you're putting a new spin and edge with data on 
some of the stuff Tommy Kono did for years to be super successful, like focusing on the strength stuff, dictating where he was going to go with his classic lifts based off what he could actually control that day. And I think the big takeaway for me, so many athletes come to us that want this super rigid, like laid out, defined, do this on this day and your body's going to be ready for it kind of plan. And there's, I'm going to use the word, there's elegance to this kind of program because it's very, very simple. You, you come in, you're, you're nailing the things that you've decided you want to nail. And then the rest of it is all based off of like your feel, how your body responds and some, some good solid data to help you make even better training decisions. Like I'm sure there was days on those, those, those squats when you hit that plateau that like you, you thought you were going to be on fire and the velocity just wasn't there. It went out of the threshold that you wanted and you made a good call. Yeah, for sure. And again, like people think the velocity is like some separate thing. It's not take out the word velocity and put in the word RPE and it works the exact same way. I just like velocity because assuming that I'm giving full concentric effort through each movement, the velocity is what it is. I don't have to worry about my subjective rating being off or on that day, or even have to worry about making a subjective rating. The number is there. It corresponds to a proximity to failure and an RPE band. And I just prefer that for squats and, and presses specifically assuming maximal concentric effort. I'm trying to move faster. I fucking can't. Have, have um, you tried faster? Have you tried have, being better? Yeah. Have yeah, people yell up at you? I tried that, that makes too. you go faster. Uh, so I think what I'm trying to basically the way that I program for myself now, and again, I'm not um, preparing for a meet yet. I'm just, I'm just training. I have goals for meets. I have, and and when those meets start to happen, I will likely structure things a bit more, but Basically, the way that I see myself, my program now is I'm the I'm the weightlifting coach who sets the chair up two feet away from his lifter or, or her lifter's platform and is right there for every single lift, making decisions based on real time response of the athlete in that training session. Like I'm my own Abajaya of watching his Bulgarians in the '80s, like every single lift. I'm glad you said Abajaya because now the Quinn. Uh, RPG character has a fantastic sweater to go with it. And that's, that's the mental image that I'm going to stick with. And I hope help you will too. I wish that I could have a cool iron mine poster with Abhijayev in the, on the side of me and I'm doing something cool, like lifting a lot of weight, but I'm are... just seeing the Spider-Man meme where he sees himself. <laughs> yeah. And, and like some of these movements. So one day I did the snatches, I did jerks. And the jerks, like my drive was not good on the jerk. Like I could tell I was cutting the drive short. And what I had planned on doing after jerks was incline bench. And I said, okay, incline bench is not going to help. Today I'm struggling with the drive of the jerk. What will give me an overhead strength stimulus, but will also help me increase the drive of the jerk? Push press. So in that moment, I made the decision to substitute incline bench press for push press. I did push press instead and kind of got pushed to later in the week. So it's these types of things where I know at the end of the week, I want to have ticked off certain boxes. I want to have incline benched at least once. I want to have push, press. I want to have jerked at least three times, snatched this many times, but how those days fall in line is very much dictated by how my performance is going on that day. 
it's a really cool approach and it's very, it's very smart. I wish a ton of athletes would just train this way. <laughs> it's hard though. Like I wouldn't have liked, I don't like this all the time. That's, I mean, I kind of do, but <laughs> yeah, I, didn't, right. Come on, you know. I didn't, I didn't used to like this. Let's, let's put it that way. Um, I was very much the opposite. So I know that a lot of my athletes are that way as well. And um, just try to meet them halfway, not expect them to prefer this type of programming because I do. So yeah. that's also helps me, you know, work with people who are just different because there's a lot of ways to do this. But yeah, that's it. And and the last thing I'll say is what I added, um, which I haven't done in years, is some field-based. I don't even want to call them plyometrics. Technically, they are because basically what I've been at, what I've been doing is I'll wake up in the morning and I'll walk to this field that's maybe ten minutes away from where I live, and I'll do some uh, field-based like sprinting, dynamic warm-up drills, skips, basically you, the stuff that you would see a sprinter warm up on the track with for 15 minutes before they did their actual sprint training. I'm just doing that warm-up stuff. Like, so skips, um, low skips, high skips, pogos, single leg, double leg, stuff like that. There's a hill that's a nice grade that won't crush you, but it'll keep your speed down. So I'll do some like tempo hill sprints, but basically trying to get back that, the very right side of the force velocity curve where you're putting high loads through your tissues in a very short amount of time. I'm trying to get that back. And I've been doing that for six weeks, sometimes twice a day. Cause I literally spend like, sometimes it's only five minutes that I'm doing it. Cause I'm just like doing my skips, doing my things. And I walk back home. My knees feel way better. Nice. Um, they feel better during the bounce out of the squat, during the catches of the snatches, the dip of the jerk feels a little bit more springy. Like these are things I haven't done since, since playing college football and I've, I have not done them because I was a weightlifter and it's not really part of the sport, but it's kind of a part of overall, like the fitness level of just being kind of athletic. And at least in the short term, it's uh, filled in some gaps that I feel are having some nice transfer. I don't suspect that that I suspect that will have a ceiling and I'll probably just keep this stuff in at some type of maintenance level not with the idea of progressing it to I can do like a 48 inch depth drop jump, you know, or anything like that, but just enough to where I can keep that springy, like resilient feeling with the stretch shortening cycle and, and change of direction. But that's it. Cured an Ebola. Yeah. It's, help, it's helping the bola. Ladanian Tomlinson over here doing hill sprints. I bet I am, you know, the three of us, I, I could probably win in a, in a sprint, but. I'm just yes. guessing. Maybe not. I could depends be on if it's to a buffet or not, brother. <laughs> Do what? I said it depends on if it's to a buffet or not. I see. I will knock you over. <laughs> you got to catch me to do to knock me over. It's like that. we all start in the same spot. It's just bang. No, I'll just be to the. I'll just be more to the sides because I know what you're gonna try to do. It's no, no. But then John unravels the man bun and just like whips it, and that's that's that, a secret it, weapon. That's a weapon now. I hear you. I've been weaponized. Okay, we hope you enjoyed that Coach's Corner episode. It was great to be back on here. 
and we look forward to putting out a lot more for you in the near future. And of course, thank you to my homies, Jared Maynard and John Flagg for steering this ship alongside me. And to thank you, the clinical athlete community, all six of you, for joining us on this journey of knowledge and improved practice in both the gym and clinic. One more time, if you're into brain gains, join the free Calu Community Facebook group for great discussions and resources and lots of learning and networking opportunities. And check out the online clinical athlete powerlifting certification if you're into getting strong and reducing injury risk and stuff like that. All that stuff is in the show notes. Thanks, everyone, and we'll talk to you soon.